it's time for Cubicle Insanity. I've got Kim here with me and I'm Tammy. We're back together again to talk a little about that which we love, corporate America, or the goings on at any organization. Our podcast is a discussion about the real insanity from cubicles, from leadership and leaders to experiences with life in the cubicles. Let's get into our latest cubicle insanity. Let's go. Okay, Kim, you've been busy reading. I have. I actually came across this uh, little book called Letters from Leaders. It's an interesting book. um, It's interesting in a lot of different ways, and we'll get into some of the letters. uh, But it's Letters from Leaders, as the name states. (laughs) Unlike stating the obvious. (laughs) But what's interesting is um, they've, they've signed, like on the cover... So it looks like, you know, you have an autographed copy. And then what they, the other thing that they did that I thought was kind of interesting, just about the, the formatting of the book, is the letters that were submitted, they included. So some wrote their notes, uh, like hand wrote their, their letters. Others typed. Uh, some signed them. Some didn't sign them. So all that is included. So it's just from a pure um, format, kind of an interesting book. Yeah. Okay. Having said that. Okay. Uh, so it, it's a it's a book of personal advice from tomorrow's leaders. They're actually some of today's leaders or leaders that have since uh, moved on. It's a little bit of an older book, and the book was compiled by a gentleman Henry O. Dorman, chairman and editor in chief of Leaders Magazine. Okay. Okay. So it's uh, advice. So did they were they purposely asked for advice for this book or is this just like they they wrote it for some other purpose? Yep, so they there's different categories. So um like the first one that I'm going to read it's called leading off with the greatest. There's other sections called optimism and overcoming challenges. Okay. So let me let me read the the first letter. Okay. Okay. And then we'll all right. So um, it's called The Greater Obstacle, The More Glorious, The Moment of Success. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, The time is always right to do what is right. True. We've, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The book, go, and the, the um, person that submitted the letter says, I think most people would agree with that. The tricky part, of course, is knowing what is right. I wouldn't try to tell others how to decide important matters, but I will share with you how I try to work them out. I've always been interested in what is going on around me. I've listened, observed, and read, taking the ideas and information that made sense to me and adapting and adopting them for my life. I've I worked hard and then worked worked some more trying to be the best that I can possibly be at time what I was doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I learned that tough times are part of our journey in life, but the challenges make life interesting. Even though it can be painful, frightening at times, the greater the obstacle, the more, more glorious the moment of success. I decided not to close the door of opportunity on myself just because I wasn't sure I could do something. Even when I didn't get all of all the way to my goal, I found that when I tried as hard as I could, 
I was much further along than otherwise would have been. And I found that the journey itself was a great adventure. It's also important to have fun. I enjoyed my life, no matter where I was or what I was doing. I took the positive from the experience and lived in the moment, connecting with people around me, whoever they were. I tried to make people feel good about themselves and to make them laugh if I could. Most of all, I believe in God and the wisdom he has for what my life should be. Using all these lessons as my guiding principles, not, not how much money or power or control over others I could command, I made the decision I believed in my heart at, at the time were right. I accepted the consequences of my choices. For me, what is right is everything. Okay, so I'm trying to guess as you read that, who wrote it? All right, so um, think back to podcast 24, Servant Leadership. Okay. Like the letter R, the right things, the right reasons, the right mm -hmm. ways. So this was written by the late Muhammad Ali. Interesting. Think about his last sentence. For me, doing what is right is everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, if we start looking at ties across all of the different articles, books, topics, random topics that we've talked about, there's all these common threads mm -hmm. regardless. And this is not, so Muhammad Ali is not, you know, a management expert like, you know, some of the books that we've read, they're right. considered like management experts like <clears throat> uh, John C. Maxwell and yep. um, uh, Stephen Covey and, mm -hmm. and some of those others. They're management experts. Right. That's kind of what they're known for. Focus. Mm -hmm. Right. Muhammad Ali, he was a boxer. Right. But if you think about how he led his life and what his greatest lesson was, and this is the advice he's giving to others, is... Yeah. Do what is right for me. Doing what is right is everything. Everything, and he had. I mean, he was huge. Like so many, even today, the number of people who you know loved everything he did, and so clearly, I can't say I'm like super knowledgeable about like his entire life and things, but yeah. clearly, he did try to do the right things, and he was very, um, like have fun. And, you know, make good choices and all that. That clearly came through in who he was as a person. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't think he would have probably the following. Right. You know, as a person. Right. Maybe as a boxer, but yeah. as a person that he has. Right. Yep. He's quoted all the time. Oh, yeah. What's what's the one quote that you remember from him? Uh, float like a butterfly. Fly like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. Yeah. Like a, yeah. so, <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Something yeah. about a butterfly and a bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so, you that know. That was his fun coming out. Yeah, yep. But if you think about kind of just that letter in itself, just all the things that we've talked about, like in Podcast 24 about mm -hmm. servant leadership. I mean, he touched upon all of them in various ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. The, um, the next section is about optimism and overcoming challenges. So, you know, we talk about setting goals and, and challenging ourselves and how do you overcome certain things. So this um, 
I'll go ahead and tell you who this next letter is from. It's um, it's from Peter G. Peterson. He's the senior chairman of the uh, Blackstone Group. And it's called An Exuberance Confidence in the Future. So let me, uh, let me get it. Okay. It's a little bit longer as well. I'm the Fisher, I, I'm the firstborn son of Greek immigrants. In today's world of fragile and failing role models, their example is an indelible as, it's, it, as it is in, inspiring. My father, George Petrolopoulos, and my mother, Venetia Pavalopoulos. Greek names. Yeah, Yasis. <laughs> <laughs> Yasis and Keristo, those are two words I know um, in Kayamita. So, uh, okay, aside from my nonsense, <laughs> let, me, let me continue on. Uh, each, each single and alone came to America in their teens with nothing more than a third grade education from schools in remote Greek farm villages. They were fearful, but opportunities in their homeland were meager, and the promise of America filled them with hope and confidence. After all, the United States of America was the land of limitless frontiers, the land where dreams came true. Like many other young men, George Petrolopoulos headed west soon after the, his arrival in 1912. And like so many immigrants then and now, he took whatever work and a recent immigrant speaking a foreign tongue could find. He made his way to Nebraska where he joined his older brother, Nick. He, who was working for Union Pacific Railroad. Because the foreman had trouble pronouncing the family's name, Nick changed Petrolopoulos, which means the son of Peter, to Peterson. Oh. My father also took the new name, so I was born a Peterson. Years later, he told me he was sorry he changed our name. Interesting. Uh, in his ways, clear... Uh, it, in his always clear but often broken English, here's how he put it. I wouldn't want anyone to think we weren't proud of our race. We worked long, sweltering hours at menial jobs no one else wanted, washing dishes in steaming caboose kitchens. Although he didn't earn much, he saved most of what he earned. He borrowed as little as possible, and even then only to invest in a better future for his family. My son, he used to say, if we spend a little less and save a little more today, we'll have a lot tomorrow. Slowly but steadily, my father's savings accumulated and before long were transmuted into an inevitable Greek diner, the, the Central Cafe in Kearney, Nebraska. Is that Kearney? Kearney? Kearney. Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, it was an establishment distinguished not only for its cuisine, but for the fact that for a full quarter century, it stayed open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Wow. And for many, too many of those hours, days, weeks, and years, my father was on his feet in the restaurant, varicose veins and all. As a child during the Great Depression, I recall watching a mixture of pride and edginess as my father offered food, often in return for simple chores, to any jobless, out-of-luck soul who approached the back door of the Central Cafe. Throughout his working life, he shared what fortune he had with his family, his community, and with rural community, and with the rural community he left behind in Greece. He bought homes for his sisters 
and brothers still living there and paid for so many municipality improvements in Bahila. Bahila, I think is how it's pronounced. That the village's main street is now called the Petrolopolis Street. In 1963, King George awarded him the first gold medal in recognition of his philanthropy. True to his Mediterranean heritage, my father was an emotional man. God bless America. The only American song he could sing never failed to produce patriotic tears. His America was about exuberance, confidence in the future. That withstood even the economic collapse and fearful headlines of the 1930s. His America was also about faith in our freedoms and in equality of opportunity. It was his faith that withstood even the Ku Klux Klan when the, it picketed his restaurant with signs saying, don't eat with the Greek. Those aren't real Americans, he told me. And after all, he was a proud member of the Elks. Uh, his Sunday poker game at the Elks Club, the highlight of the week, and sealed his acceptance um, by the community that dem and demonstrated that in those days, much of what fell into American melting pot actually melted. Many years later, when I informed him that President Nixon had invited me to join the White House, my father did not hesitate for a second. You have no choice, he said. It is your duty to serve our country. Before long, he was known to greet newcomers with the unusual situation salutation. Good morning. My son is the first and only Greek cabinet member in the United States <laughs> government. No doubt I would have winced and I, had I been present, and no doubt he would have not cared. My father's pride in any and all of the achievements of his family is irreprehensible. Let me try this one more time. You keep picking these. <laughs> <laughs> all right. with the he was very impressed. Okay, I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, no, no other uh, pleasure was com uh, comparable. And the role model of my father has become part of my very being. Without it, I don't think I could have achieved whatever excess I, I have enjoyed. So, again, if you think back to, like, episode or podcast number 24, you think of, like, the self selflessness, right? Um, you think about, like, number 19, extreme ownership, the belief the, you know, 21 irrefutable laws, the, the law of addition, leaders add value by serving others. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what his father did, helped others that, and it came back to him tenfold, almost like paying it forward. Exactly. And the other thing that is so um, warm and refreshing is he did it and not did he feel like pride or ego in what he had done but still was more proud of that his son was on the cabinet or mm -hmm. he was more proud of the things that happened around him not necessarily like oh and he you know i have a street named after me because i gave back so much right. you know like right and so that's um and he probably didn't give back Thinking, oh, I'll get a street named after right. me. Right. Well, if I give this, I'm going to ask that they do, you know, this right. or that. Right. Or, you know, and just like, you know, oh, people are willing to do a small job, so I'll give them some food. Like, it is that true, just like out of, you know, my heart, I'm going to do these things for the other people. Yeah. Yeah. 
helping one another. Okay. Um, let's see. The next one, um, the, the section is called uh, To Be or Not To Be. So let me read one more letter. Okay. To be or not to be. Yeah. That is the question. Yeah. So this is uh, this letter is by William J. Harrison Jr., former chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, work hard, take risk, have a view. We came up with the slogan for J.P. Morgan about three years ago: "Be a leader." We want everybody to be a leader. Some pundits say that not everyone can be a leader, but in my view, everyone can be. To be a leader, you have to have a view, be willing, be willing to constructively express it and use it to make something better. Under the definition, everybody can be a leader. The lowest person in the company's hierarchy ought to be doing that. And I argue that even the highest leader in the country has to do those things well. He has to have a view, constructively express it, and get people to follow him to make things better. So my advice to young people is to have a view. Go make something better. Get skin in the game. Care about it. And take some risk along the way. Taking risk is very important. You shouldn't take crazy risk, but you should take risk all the time to improve and to prove yourself. Short and sweet. I love it. Yeah, the first two were the longer of the... Everyone's a leader. Again, a common theme. Yeah. Everywhere. Have skin in the game. That I like that he phrased it that way because there are so many people that come to work and it's their job. And they do what they're supposed to and they finish their, their tasks, which is good. Yeah. But... Do you have skin in the game? And yeah. are you, you know, and I think that's why people say like you should uh, love what you do, do what you love or whatever. Right. Be passionate about it because then you are, you know, willing to be at any level, be that leader and to take risks and to have views and to do all that versus just coming to a job. Yep. My thoughts on that exactly. It kind of it's just a job. If if for you for anybody listening for anybody that is hearing this, if it for you if it's just a job and sometimes it has to be that because you have to make ends meet and oh, yeah. well, there's some extenuating circumstances. Yes. I get that. And in your lifetime, sometimes you're just at that phase of your life. Whatever yep. else is happening, that's all you can. Yep, that's all you take. can muster, and mm-hmm. I and I get that. Yep. But for others. If it is just a job and you have the ability to get out, go find something you're passionate about, do something that you're interested in to make others better and to make yourself better. Yeah. the It's true. The more you enjoy your job, you're not just looking out for yourself because you just enjoy everything about mm-hmm. it and you're, you know, you care about everything. And right. so if you can help somebody or make somebody better, make them more successful, yeah. you do it just because of the investment you've made yeah in that yep. and from my experience Kim I will say I've had jobs that uh maybe I loved what I did but maybe the culture just wasn't always yeah. you know yep. a great fit um so if you can find both that's amazing 
So look for it. Yeah. That's that's up to you. Yep. To make that decision when it's the right time and what that right place is, but but do it. Yeah. The, the, on that topic, you know, a little bit, you think about finding a different, you know, if you're not a fit for a particular company, I would say when you're interviewing, one of the biggest things I've learned interviewing is ask a lot of questions about culture. Yeah. And I know that we oftentimes compare millennials. So it's funny you say that because I went yeah. right to the millennials. I think they probably do a better job of it. Yeah. Then. Like baby boomers, hey, we just walked in, we, you know, filled out our application, we took a job if it was offered. We didn't think about culture. Right. Like, this may not be a good fit for me. I'm going to keep looking. Yep. And, and, and again, as baby boomers, we would, the environment was different, right? And, and we didn't think so much about the culture for our employees. What what we worried about was, you know, is it a safe place to work, right? And am I going to get my paycheck every two weeks there was different things to think about than what the workplace today thinks about for its employees. Yeah. And you know what? The workplaces today are probably better off. Yeah. Then. So yep. the, it's, it's been a great evolution. It's been, yep. uh, it adds value to the company and to the people. Yeah, absolutely. Because just like, um, uh, like he says, uh, let me find the sentence here about, be willing, have a view. Have a view. Be willing to construct, constructively express it, and to um, and use it to make something better. And I think mm -hmm. that as we've morphed our workplace, people have spoken up. Yeah, they've been willing. It's more acceptable. To, yeah, and they've been more constructive in what they want, other than just oh, I, you know, I want this, I want it. why, you know, and mm -hmm. they've been able to do that. So, uh so again, if you if it's just a job, you're in the wrong job. You're in the wrong company. Go find something else. Yeah. And you know, like, so um, there are sort of these um, parallels between each of these letters you've mm -hmm. written. So three different people, three different, like, uh, paths in life, but yet at the same time, in different ways, still sort of, you know, it's great advice. Right. it's all sort of getting to that same, same. end yep. point. All right. So let me uh, read the next one and see if you still see the common okay. threads. It's called presidential advice. Oh. So this is... going to be a president? It is. <laughs> uh, actually, this book has uh, quite a few presidents uh, that wrote letters, but the one I picked out for this is uh, by George Herbert Walker Bush, known as POTUS 41. It's his top 10 list. So we were just talking about Letterman earlier. Yeah. Interviewing, uh, what, number 44? 44. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think of President... Yeah, I've been right to the top 10 list. Top 10, David mm -hmm. Letterman. Okay. So um, POTUS 41. It says uh, the, the 41st president... Okay, I cannot single out one of the... One of the greatest challenges in my life. I have had a lot of challenges, and my advice to young people might be as follows. One, don't get down when your life takes a bad turn. Out of, out of adversity comes challenge and often success. Two, don't blame others for your setbacks. Amen, Th brother. Three, when things go well, always give credit to others. Four, 
Don't talk all the time. Listen to your friends and mentors and learn from them. Number five, don't brag about yourself. Let others point out your virtues and strong points. Six, give someone else a hand. When a friend is hurting, show that friend you care. Seven, nobody likes an over, overbearing big shot. Ooh, I could say so much about that right now. Okay. Uh, I like the words he chose for that one, too. Yep. Number eight, as you succeed, be kind to people. Thank those who helped you along the way. Number nine, don't be afraid to shed a tear when your heart is broken because a friend is hurting. And number 10, say your prayers. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, if you think about, like, all the basic uh, uh, points of, like, servant leadership. Yeah. Do you know what? Even the uh, uh, the, the retention, like, the, the things that leaders do that... Yeah negatively impact your retention yep i think his top 10 list if we compared it to that list yeah that was phrased as don't do these things this is yep. do it this way yeah and again you know like uh we talked about the 21 irrefutable laws the law of addition leaders add value by serving others mm-hmm. extreme ownership number two point number two that uh potus 41 make don't blame others for your setback yeah. setback so it's the extreme ownership mm-hmm. take responsibility and it's um the the other one that i liked is is as you as you succeed be kind to pe- be kind to people thank those who helped you along the way so my mom has always had this expression of um make sure you say hello on your way up because you never know who you're going to meet along uh, coming back down yeah so, you know, think about that for a second. How many people will step over one another to get ahead and then kablammo, like they, it's found out like they're, you know, incompetent or they really don't know what they're doing. And, you know, that kind of behavior catches up with people. So. Well, it reminds me of uh, advice I've heard, but I've also uh, seen it firsthand from the other side. And that is if you're going in for an interview, for example, be nice to the receptionist who's greeting you. Absolutely. Because if your behavior is not good there, whoever's interview interviewing you will hear about that yeah. later. Yep. Yeah, you know, I uh, I worked for a company and supported, uh, in my role, I supported like the C-suite of, of people. And so a lot of our candidates were coming in for very senior level roles. Yes. And so we would always have somebody, you know, like a, a driver, Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of drivers on staff yeah. that would go and pick them up sure. and pick up candidates and bring them in so forth and so on. And the first thing I would do is I would debrief with the driver. Mm-hmm. How were they when they picked you picked them up this morning from the airport? And then what and then when they were dropped back off at the airport, mm-hmm. how were they in, in on the way back to the airport? Yeah. And you'd be surprised what candidates would say to the driver. Either to the driver or they were on the phone with, you know, like their spouse maybe Mm -hmm. and and talking about, oh, yeah, these guys are a bunch of putts or, oh, my God, I love this company. Mm -hmm. It got back. So, yeah, yeah. I um, so when I was in college, 
one of uh, my best girlfriends, her dad was the president of the bank. And um, he was adorable in so many ways. But he had a lot of life lessons that he would try to yeah. give to us. And so one of them was, you know, girls, I might be the president of the bank. That might be what's on my door. But I'm not the most important guy there. Yep. And we'd be like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. Do you know who is? Do you want to take a guess who is? And, you know, being a smarty college student, who who is it? And he would always say, you know, it's, and I don't remember the name, but it's Frank, the, the janitor. Mm-hmm. He's got the most keys. He can get into every room in the bank. He hears everybody talking. He knows everyone and what happens in the bank. Yep. And he's like, he's the most important. Yep. And so, of course, when I first heard this, it went in. I did nothing with the information. Until many years later, you know, oh, you watch, if you watch, like, the organization you're working in, like, okay. And so, while he was the president of the bank, he used the term, he's got the most, you know, the most uh, keys on his key ring. And that was literal. Yeah. But also figurative. Yeah. And so I, as I got older, and I remember going back uh, after graduating from college, I have a job, I go back and I go, I get it now. Yeah. I get your whole, the janitor is the most important. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. So. All right. So the next, uh, I'm going to read two letters and then we'll, we'll talk about them. So uh, there's, the, the section is called Letters and Numbers. So the first one is from John Teets, chairman and CEO of J.W. Teets Enterprises and former, former chairman, Dow Corporation. And this one is called Positive Mental Attitude. My first job at 10 years old was bailing out boats and selling worms. I vowed I would never be poor. I am grateful for success I have achieved and, I, and give credit to some of those philosophies I have held. So here's his philosophies. Keep a positive mental attitude. Think today is the first day of the rest of your life and make the most of it. Be enthusiastic. It is inside-out glow of mental energy. There is the power of prayer. Common sense is not so common. Simple things confuse the wise. You can't always learn everything if you're talking. Success comes in the cans, not the cannots. Change your mind as often as few new facts become available. Plan, act, and review. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. Always stay a green apple because once you get ripe, someone will pick you. In other words, stay on the learning curve and exercise your mind. Hopefully these will be a few nuggets of inspiration that you can adapt that will lead you to your success. The next one is from Muriel Mickey Siebert, and she's the founder, chairwoman, and CEO of Muriel Siebert and Company. And um, it's called the First Women of Finance's Top 10 Success. So another top 10. Yeah. The lists are a big thing. So... I wonder why it's number eight or eleven. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. The, the first, uh, the first woman of finance top ten. 
uh, you're creating opportunities by performing, not complaining. Number two, you see an opportunity and step up to the plate. Number three, take stands, take risks, and take responsibility. Four, if you're not willing to accept the worst that can happen, don't do it. Five, those who wait to see which way the wind is blowing will be unfurled, will be unfurling, furling, furl, furling. <laughs> There it is again. Their, their sales while the competition is crossing the finish line. Six, in any game where there are winners, there have there have to be losers, and it's no disgrace to lose. But you're not entitled to make the same mistake twice. Number seven, any significant change in business is an opportunity for a new business. Eight, I believe in taking the big chance when it comes along. I follow my hunches, but before I act, I look at the numbers, inside out and upside down. Number nine, I sleep well at night knowing I've been competitive but honest, tenacious but scrupulous, tough but fair. And number 10, giving back is more of an obligation. It, giving back is more than an obligation. It's a privilege. Kind of some common themes interwoven there. Um, the thing that, I mean, again, both of them, you know, a lot of servant leadership, a lot of things of extreme ownership, right? Mm -hmm. um, taking risks, believe what you do, serve others. The one that um, kind of stood out for me a little bit was, you know, sleep well, at night, knowing I've been competitive, but honest, tenacious, but scrupulous, tough, but fair. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was like an elegant way to kind of summarize, you know, and that you can put your head on your pillow and sleep well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the right way, right things. But um, the other one was number 10, giving back is more, of an, it is more than an obligation, it's a privilege. And I, I think... For that one, for me, when I read it, I was like, hmm. For me, it was like, it kind of dawned on me, like, I think that's why I stayed, stayed in HR. Because it's a privilege. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a privilege. No, I mean, you know, you know, my background, I mean, I was in operations for a long time, and then I made the move over to HR, and it, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why I was enjoying HR so much more than, than, um, operations mm -hmm. until it dawned on me one day, like, Hey, I'm still problem solving, but I'm helping people with their problems. Not like a, a piece of automation. Right. You, you're having an impact on, on someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, the serving others. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and the other th reason I like the way she says that is. I do think people, whether it's uh, time, knowledge, money, when they're, you know, giving back, when they're um, giving, sometimes um, they they do it to say they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than looking at it as, I am so lucky that I have this time, money, knowledge, 
that I can. Right. I'm so lucky I have it. Yeah. That I can help others. Yeah. And so I like the way she phrased that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some people do it just because it's uh, it's an expected, you know, uh, check in their profile as a leader. Oh, I, you know, I, I give back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's or not... what about, and I, you know what? I love the United Way. So this is nothing against the United Way. It just happens to be a very common workplace yeah. uh, yep. thing. The, and I'm sure you've worked at these places too, where it's almost an expectation that every employee does like the payroll deduction yeah. or, you know, whatever. And it shouldn't feel like that. Right. Absolutely. And those leaders are doing it so they can brag about how their company yeah. is, you yeah. know, yeah. 100%, 90% of the employees yeah. are, you know, or, or whatever. It's more of a, um, with, uh, like an ego thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've worked in companies where it's been by department by department where the managers have had, I won't say a wager, but it's been a competition to see who could get their employees to increase their contributions. And then they had bragging rights for the year. Like, oh, look what yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, I remember one company I worked at, even if you were going to give zero, you had to fill out the card yeah. and write a zero on it. Yeah. And they collected them in person. Yes. Yep. It was all a game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried that one year, and my manager came back to me. Are you sure you want to do zero this year? Yeah, I'm sure. Is that, is that what I wrote? Yep. <laughs> really? Because last year, you know, and I mean, it was a lengthy discussion. Really? Yeah. And I, I stood by what I could, and I said, look, I got, you know, I mean, it was right out of school, yeah. and, you know, finances were a little bit different. and. Yeah. It was, yeah, this is I, that five extra dollars every week for, yeah. no, I. I mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like, I like how she phrased yeah. it too. It is a privilege. And again, sometimes that's your time. Sometimes it's your knowledge. You know, right. it's not always a money thing, but yeah. um, that's just one that came to yeah. mind was yeah. that place I worked yeah. at when we had to fill out the cards for United yeah. Way. Yep. Oh, United Way is a great, great, a great, a great thing in many communities. Yep. So the other thing that we've often talked about was passion, job satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in the right job, leave. If you're not happy, leave. Find something different. Not, you don't have to leave the company, but leave that job, that role. Yeah. Right? So let me, um, there's a couple of letters. There's short letters. Let me read um, two real quick. One is by John, a.k.a. Jack, F. Walsh. Welch, excuse me. Uh, oh, Jack Welch. Jack, Jack, Jack Welch, former CEO uh, of GE. Um, and then the title of his letters, Something That Really Turns Your Crank. Oh. Just the title alone caught, caught my attention. Um, so something that really turns your crank. Always look for opportunities that will give you a chance to learn. Don't be the last person to sign up. Always look for something that really turns your crank. Look for work that you like and work that you want to do. Don't think of your career as a way station. Always over-deliver. Never do just what the boss asks. Always do more. Have a positive attitude. Don't walk around with a sour face. No one wants that. Have a positive can-do attitude. Have plenty of ambition, but don't wear it on your forehead when, you're, when you are with your peers, subordinates, or superiors. I like it. All right. So the next one is, um, and it's short as well. 
is from Joseph R. Gromit, president and CEO of Warnico Corp uh, Group, and it's called The First Place to Start. Obviously, it's important to like what you're doing, and so, and even more important to love what you're doing. So the first place to start, if you love what you're doing, you're going to work diligently and ultimately. I believe you will be successful. Common sense is also very important in business. People skills are very important and treating people the way you want to be treated is essential for success. Let me reread that. People skills are very important and treating people the way you want to be treated is essential for success. The world, the world today operates in meteorocracy. There are no limits to what you can accomplish. Set your sights on something, have goals, have aspirations, and work diligently towards them, and ultimately they can be achieved. So again, if you think about like all the other podcasts that we've talked about, all the other books, all the other articles, setting goals, achieve, over-deliver, never set the goals too low, you know, prioritize, execute. Um, but I'm going to state it one more time for all the leaders out there listening to us. People skills are very important. <laughs> And treating people the way you want to be treated is essential for success. Isn't that called the golden rule? So why is that, that, you know, people that get into larger positions, bigger scopes of responsibilities, feel it's okay to treat employees like, like crap. You know, they turn into real jack wagons. Yeah. Because that's not how they were treated. So why do they think that that's okay? Um, um, they are more concerned about themselves. Yep. Their ego. Right? Check the ego. Check your ego. We all have them, as right. we've learned, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. We all so, have them. So those were just uh, a few of the letters from this book. Again, the book is um, Letters from a Leader. It's um, The book was compiled by Henry O. Dorman. And uh, I found it, again, a fascinating book. The letters obviously aren't that long. Mm -hmm. Some of them are a little bit longer than others, but uh, a lot of lists that are quick, quick reads. And uh, quite frankly, I think it could be used as a reference book. Yeah. I, um, what was the one, uh, something about, uh, don't wear your ambition on your sleeve when you're in front of others or whatever. Mm -hmm. So as we go through these books or articles or things, you're like, it's yeah. always interesting just to hear the phrasing because I think sometimes the way things are phrased, like make you think about that particular thing a little differently than maybe you had yeah. before. So like in the book, extreme ownership, when they're like, everybody's got an ego. I'm not gonna lie. Like at first I was like, What? But no, it's true. Like, we do have egos. Yeah. Everybody does. Right. But it's, you know, what you do with that, that makes it different, yeah. you know, amongst people. So be ambitious because you want to, like, you want to overachieve. You want to exceed expectations. 
but I think it's, you know, don't worry, sleep in front of the other people. Because that, I mean, yeah, that's true. And I mean, have it be part of who you are, but it's not how you uh, treat other people. Yeah. No, agreed. So. Okay. So, Tammy, you want to state a few of the uh, obvious from the all these letters? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's give it a whirl. Um, we, Muhammad Ali, do the right thing. Yeah. And that is... It's so key to to stop and think about that. And it's hard to believe people don't. They make decisions based on what they think somebody else wants or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe what's the popular or whatever. But do the right thing. Um, serve others. Okay, so I feel like I'll save this list because this could be probably be the state the obvious for a lot. Yeah. Of yep. a lot of them. Um Everyone can be a leader. doesn't matter where you are in the organization. Everyone can be a leader. So look for those ways to make yourself more successful, make yourself better, and also how that's going to make those people around you more successful and better. Um, (laughs) One of the letters, I don't recall who said it, but don't blame others. Was that uh, President Bush? Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't blame others. I think that's key. Yeah. Even as adults. Like, it's funny how fast we are to point the finger and be like, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't do that. Oh, they told me. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, Yes. It's human nature. Yeah. So remind yourself, don't do that. Yeah. Don't blame others. Um, be positive and enthusiastic. Have a can-do attitude. That's so catchy, and people notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another letter uh, that said, on the flip side, nobody wants to see a sour face. Right. Don't walk around like that. Right. Um, because both of those things are noticeable. And, you know, people will, will remember, regardless sometimes of what mm-hmm. you do or how you do it, they're going to remember those types of attributes about you. Yeah. Yep. Um, take responsibility, which went along with the sleep well at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take responsibility, make good decisions, you're going to sleep well. Um, the I thought it was interesting, you know, do we, we talk about this all the time, like, Find something that you, I mean, it's so cliche. Find something you love and yeah. do that. It's hard to do. Right. But if you don't feel like you're in that right place, just start looking. Explore. What What are the options out there? <laughs> because uh, your career is not a way station. Yeah. I think that was Jack who, who gave that one. Um, and then uh, let's round it up with our focus on people. People is really what every organization is about. So have people skills. Focus on people skills. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Amen, sister. And that's a wrap. All right. So those were some uh, interesting letters, and and I think they apply to any organization, um, whether it's military, whether it's mm-hmm. corporate America, private sector, mm-hmm. nonprofit. So NFL. NFL. <laughs> So, uh, thanks to all that wrote those letters. <laughs> they, they were interesting. And um, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to all of our active military and our veterans. And stay tuned for our next episode of Cubicle Insanity.